That's right, IG. Tell my followers that you started a live video, please. What up, here, Michelle, Kusho, Angelia, uh, Ginger Fading, New Mindset. Dean, how do I say that? Dennery? I always wonder how to say that. Ryan Inside Jokes, Raymond Holmes. I see y'all. The Father Market Protocol Hot Return, Hannah Boyd Miller, Real Estate by Wesley. Linda for life, Jersey Bell. What up, y'all? Roddy T, what's going on? Mo Better, the Yellow Canary, Depp, New Mindset Success. What up from Arizona? What up from BK? Delfino, what up? Uh, D, D, N, R. Okay, I'm gonna figure it out. Travis Brown, what up? Royce, what's up? Sam Ridley, what's going on? Barry Ribs in the building. What's up, Barry? How you doing, man? Happy New Year. It's been a while, brother. It's good, good to see you. Um, welcome black. The dreams are your take it out. Um, y'all had a good week. I hope y'all did. Hugh Mizzle, what up, famo? I see you, Hugh. Thanks for talking me off the ledge over the weekend, Hugh. <laughs> I didn't. I, I'll hit you afterwards and let you know what's up. Cal, what's going on? Justin, what up, Just? How you doing, man? Good, good to see you on here. Neil J, I see you. Peace. Um, we have another wonderful episode as we always do. Kitten, kitten. Um, do we have to say rest in peace to anyone? Damn. Did I say rest in peace, MF Doom, Jen Jen Stevens, what up? Um, yes, it's a red shirt day. If y'all haven't realized, this is episode 39, by the way, y'all. We're only 13 weeks shy of, uh, 13 weeks shy of, of hitting a full year of this. Real Megan, what up? Um, yeah, and, and so I alternate. We have, oh, oh, look, if we have a guest just hopped up, you can't be up here getting gas. Say hi. All right. Um, you, I don't know what you were thinking. Um, <laughs> um, hey, Rube, Rube, what up, son? Um, thank you. I appreciate that. Ice T. Lauren, what up? Um, yeah, we've been doing this. This is, uh, this is the 39th, uh, week we've been doing this and, and this week, uh, is no different. Um, uh, Miss Indigo the Cat, uh, hopped up on here. Um, he had, he, he, he had to bounce though. See, and he's not a kangaroo. Who knew? Damn that cat! Rude, what up, man? How's, how's Denver been? Did, you know what I've never heard? Did Denver get hit, um, badly with COVID? Um, did COVID make it, um, above sea level, that high above sea level? Who's my guest this week, Alberto? Um, I have a great guest, um, from, from many things. Uh, I'm actually, I actually have the daily show on, uh, straightforward. What up, Manny? Manny, what up, Manny? Um, my guest tonight's, uh, Roy Wood Jr. is going to be on here tonight with us. Uh, have you heard of Callum Cobretti? Uh, no. Um, is that a comic? Um, if, if, if in that is, uh, um, my, well, I thank you. My hair is looking luxurious, but it's time, time to, uh, put it, put it under. I'm, I'm braiding this in a second. 
because I'm sick of uh, sick of doing anything to it. I just want to I just want to get up and go. And I miss I miss my cornrows. And it's been it's been a good five months since I had it rolled. So I'm going to roll it in a little bit. Um, just just to put it under. Oh, I believe I believe he is. I, I'm not familiar with with him, but I will. Uh, I'll, what was his name again? Callum Cabretti. Um, now nah, I ain't going bald. Uh, God done bless me with with this, so I'm gonna hold on to this as long as possible. Yes, Alabama is in the house. Shout out to Roy Wood Jr. Um, real good dude. I I I would tell y'all a story about uh, you know, before he gets on here. I uh. <laughs> Cause hey Sharonda, how you doing? Sis? Um, uh, she adores me. What up, Tommy? God love. What up? Um, the family is doing well. Thanks for asking. Um, yeah. Uh, so I, I, so I've been watching a lot of old Showtime at the Apollos on uh, on Tubi. I think it's Tubi.tv, T-U-B-I. And uh, <laughs> and so one night, I see Roy. I see Roy on there. This had to be this is probably like 2002, 2003. And uh and and I was like, yo, you know, anytime I see people I know on Ava Watch B, I'm gonna root for them. And mind you, he wasn't he wasn't uh he wasn't an amateur, but what they had started doing uh in the around 2003, 2004 they started doing this comedy knockout. Oh, look, and he's on here. Roy, send me, send me the request. So, uh, cause I'm telling the story about Showtime at the Pilot. There he goes. Okay. <laughs> Big time. And I, I started telling this story and Roy's like, oh, let me get on in. <laughs> Are you talking about the comedy Roy, TKO up, or Showtime at the Apollo? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, I was telling I was telling the story. Yeah, and you're talking about when uh the oh. homie Dexter Angry washed my ass on national television. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Let me let me give you your proper Man, competition your proper comedy intro is a whole nother fucking before piece. we even I'm we gonna dive right into that story, but I'll give give you a proper intro right. and the show the proper intro this is your man Dean Edwards. Welcome to another episode of the Fall Market Protocol, live on a Monday night. This is our 39th episode, started doing them in April, and, and my man Roy Wood Jr. is the guest tonight. This cat, you've seen him on some of everything um, from Showtime at the Apollo, Star Search, Premium Blend, Last Comic Standing, Comics Unleashed with myself, Leslie, and, and, uh, and who else? Ralph Harris. Ralph Harris. And Ralph Harris, my bad, Ralph. Yes, Host also of Comedy Central's This Is Not Happening. You also remember him from three seasons on Sullivan and Sons. And the last, is it five or six seasons on The Daily Show on Comedy yeah. Central? My man, FAMU's own, Alabama's own, Birmingham, Alabama representative, ex-Jedi, Roy Wood Jr. in the building. How you doing, up, man? man? How you doing, brother? Good, I'm, I'm good doing, I'm doing wonderfully, man. Uh, my you know, energy is a little down. I apologize. It's not in any disrespect to you. I know good, normally you I'm like, ah, ah, but today I'm on some smooth bourbon shit. So that's this okay. That's okay. Shoot, we we got a reindeer hat in the no. middle of January, so you know I'm on something different tonight. <laughs> I ain't mad at that. You know, and and if if we gotta hit like smooth, I'll be sure R and B. 
energy where you know I'm squinting my eyes and <laughs> and licking my lips like you know real smooth like LL Cool J. Then yeah. we could do that too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Jeez, you just fall off into impressions. But how so have you been through this whole? Because we we've now been in quarantine for what nine or ten months. We're going into month number ten. How depending on which state you're in and how your state give a fuck. Um, for me, it's been, it's been cool. You know, we do the daily show from home for the most part. So okay. like there was, there was a couple of discussions about sending niggas out before the election. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they was like, matter of fact, the last time I went outside to interview somebody was in June. And even that was like from like 20 feet away. Like it was a joke that we couldn't oh, talk to each other outside. Um, but it's right. been fine, man. I just, I haven't done much stand-up, though, bro. I've, I've right. really enjoyed exploring writing and scripts and reading scripts and, like, really yeah. sharpening that tool. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's yeah. what I've kind of... I've been more on that more than anything else. And... As much as I love stand-up, there's an arrogance in my mind that that'll be there. I'll have time to get back to that. But I don't right, know when right, I'll right. have time to just be at the crib alone, post it up, and go, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to read a whole movie script right. today. I'm going to find a script of a movie I love and read that bitch and see how they were able to put those moments on paper and how, you know, to, to make myself better. You know what, Roy, real way. quick, sorry to interrupt you. You're, you're strobing like you're, you'll speak and then... It freezes for whatever reason. I don't know if it's like you're frozen right now. Now I can't hear you. Can y'all hear? Could you? Was that just me, y'all, or was that was was uh was it my was it my end? Maybe it was my end. Um, yes, the hat is hilarious. It's it's buffering now. I'm getting I'm getting the spinning circles. Okay, there we go. Okay, I think he's back. Oh, they're saying no audio. All right, cut that audio for me. Y'all should be good with me now. Okay, I think I think we got him back. Okay, there we go. They should be able to hear me. Yeah. I hear you now. All right, man. Fuck technology, man. Let's do this. <laughs> Stupid ass switch to T-Mobile. Now I'm all fucked up in my own house. I don't even know where to sit in my own house to get a good signal. <laughs> somebody, some, somebody just called you Teddy Riley, son. Now look, what y'all not going to do is turn into one of them verses now. You see how quick we changed our shit? I switched over to the 5G Wi-Fi at the crib. Turned the telephone to airplane mode, so I know I'm sucking off the Wi-Fi. Not that T-Mobile drama. Uh, but no, the long and short, man... I'm writing more. I find more fun. I find more time. I find more fun in writing right. scripts and trying to focus on how I can get better at that than right, just right, doing right. stand-up. Because in the long run, man, creation, man, that's the real, that's yeah. the dream. Like, you know what I love about the game now? What's up? I love that writers are on social media and shit. Like, mm-hmm. Like, it's it's weird. It was weird to see it first because it wasn't the norm for, like, hey, right. I wrote that. Y'all make sure you watch the shit that I wrote for my brain. Right. And I'm like, 
No, that makes perfect sense because now you see that as a viable option early on. And also, you know who the fuck to go and talk to if you want to be a writer yourself because that's the real longevity, bro. It's in creation. It's not performance. Oh, bro. Uh, I had um, Gina Yashere on uh, uh, last week. And the, I actually, I posted a clip of exactly what, I'm what we're talking about right now. She was like, she's like, Dean, I had no idea. TV money. I had no idea how much money these white boys were making out here. And she, she then broke down how she's like, you know what? She loves stand up and, and she looks forward to the day when she can just do, you know, a theater instead of doing five and six shows at a club. She can just do a theater and go back to writing because she said, you know, she wants to, she, you know, she's creator, co-creator of Bob Hart's uh, Abishola and she's getting that, that writer's money, that producer money. And she's looking forward to putting other people on. She's made sure that Chuck Lorre now understands, yo, we, it's a, we, we have black people. I need black writers in the room, you know? So that's, uh, I, I think, yeah. um, I think the the landscape is changing because more and more people are understanding that you know the performance is great, but there's this power in in um you know controlling the the narrative um, based on who's writing it. And I think that's the main thing that I'm trying to really focus on and discover. And you know I study I study all them young niggas too. Like you know everybody talk about study the people ahead of you who already done study the people that's behind you too because they got some ideas. Oh, no doubt. Because them motherfuckers yeah. is hungry. Yeah. As hungry as you think you are, there's somebody behind you in line that's fucking starving. And I guarantee With you they got a good idea because that's where good ideas come from, from fucking yeah. starving. So, yeah. you know, I try to look at, you know, what a lot of the youngins are doing. You know, Kev on stage is making some good moves. If we're just talking about setting up some producer type shit, um, you know, the boys, 85 South, uh, Carlos Miller, Chico being DC. Um, you know, I really look at the business structure and the business model that they've set up. And you're trying to combine two things of creating your content and also figuring out ways to control it or being able to, yeah. to create leverage for yourself to benefit in other capacities. And it is impossible to do that properly and build an hour and build a comfortable hour special and be a good boyfriend and be a good father. You cannot do right. all of that concurrently. So for now, while we're under the pandemic, right. we just move stand up over here for a second. And right. I mean, I'm stockpiling premises, but of course, it's just, it's, you know how my stand up is. My shit start on the wrong side of the issue. And then I have to work my way back right. <laughs> <laughs> to non-cancel land. So... Right. <laughs> Not the, internet, the internet don't give you no dry runs. Like, don't nobody give nah. a fuck about comedy practice. Anything you say on the internet is assumed to be your feelings forever and now Word. and true, and you've always thought this, and you can never change. And I'd be damned if you motherfuckers gonna judge me or some shit I jotted down while I was walking home from the train. Right, I'm gonna right. put that shit up in a room where you have my full body, emotions, context, all of that shit, you know? Yeah, man, yeah. And, and and it's funny you say that because um, there have been a couple of people that I invited on. I don't, number one, again, thank you for, for, for making the time for us tonight because, A, I know you're, you're, you're busy with the show, 
because um, it's one thing to do, to shoot a weekly show; it's another to to work on literally a daily um, show that that airs four or five nights a week, um, along with having a family. So I appreciate you because I know there's some people that I've invited on that have projects um, that they're working on currently that are on television, and I know some people. Now you know me, so I'm not I'm not gonna go over a line. And, and do anything to mess up your paper, right? But I, no. but I also know people are paranoid, so I don't get mad. But you know, can. but you know, I'm also the opposite of that in that regard because when you ask me whatever, I'll answer whatever. Like I've never shied away. My thing is, I try to only have conversations like this with people I respect or people who I think give a fuck about the craft. Right. But, no, you no, know, no. if I'm gonna be, if I'm gonna be frank. And I can be frank because I've done a lot of these programs since March. It's a lot of motherfuckers just dicking around on IG Live and they're not serious about asking intelligent questions or informed questions. And they're, you can tell what they're doing is just some, some fuckery until right. they get back to doing whatever it was they really wanted to do. And I'm not saying right. that on some disrespectful shit, but I'm just saying it yeah. in a place of, if I'm going to be a guest on your situation, then I got to feel like you at least coming from an important, like, don't, I don't give a fuck if Kanye and Kim get divorced. Like, don't sit me down and talk to me for 20 minutes about that. Like, it, like, it, like it's, it's that type of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, I like, I just feel like while we all have this, while we're all in this moment as a country, in this moment, to, you know, have some conversations that can at least inform or uplift instead of the same circular bullshit, you know? Exactly. Which is which is why, honestly, I, I, I created this because I know there are a lot of uh, not only just fans of comedy, but like you said, newer cats coming up that, you know, if we're hanging out uh, at the cellar, they might not have an opportunity um, to to talk to you, to find out you know, your process to find out where you come from and, and, and what makes you tick. And so I, I wanted to create this sort of platform so so that I could ask questions that I know they need to know or should know. And so that they don't just come at you sideways and, and run up on you. Yo, Roy, I'm a beast. You should bring me on the road when this is over. <laughs> and, I, and I'm not even mad at niggas for not knowing what they don't know, but I'm like this right. close. This, this is going to sound disrespectful, but it's actually very helpful. I'm this close to just creating a page on my website with my answers to the most frequently answered questions yeah. Yeah. From, com from young comics. Right. And just go, right. my nigga, start here. And right. then after that, if you have any questions, now we can have it. Because now if we're having a conversation, we're... Right we're introducing new information into the atmosphere and that helps everybody. Right. I don't need to go on 40 shows answering the same question 40 right. times. That doesn't help anybody. That doesn't help the game. Right. I'm not making the world better. You know what I'm saying? Right. So that's kind of where I try to approach, you know, conversations like this. It's just a nigga asking, in my head, I have to go, is this nigga going to ask a good question? Right. Or is he going to ask me when did I first know I was funny? Right. <laughs> so, so let me ask you this. You know, we're going right to it. I, I started. I started out by telling them uh, the people that were already on. I hit you maybe a month and a half ago. 
I, I, I'm watching Showtime at the Apollo. I see a young, young buck in the game, like the young bucks you're talking about. Nice suit, fresh, fresh suit, straight, straight from Fubu Alabama. Suit, nigga. It was a Fubu suit at the height of Fubu, Clean. 2002. <laughs> 2002. Yeah. Clean on stage at the Apollo, set the stage. So, <laughs> Mike Perry, first of all, because it wasn't. First of all, for those that don't know, it wasn't Roy was not an amateur. He was not part of the amateur night portion of Showtime at the Apollo. But around 2001, 2002, they started doing the comedy knockout. So explain to people what the comedy knockout was. Basically, comedy TKO was created to give comedians a fucking chance of getting out one goddamn joke before being booed. So... If you put a comedian in the middle of amateur night, they get booed immediately and they should get some quick, 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 quick. So the idea was two comics, you both do three minutes, you both come back out at the end, Kiki Shepard, and the audience decides. Right. And so right. it was a more fair shake to do comedy that way. So that was my, that was also my first TV appearance Dang with it. Showtime at the Apollo. Um, I was supposed to do three minutes. I came off stage at 237 because I felt the booze coming and I just fucking dipped. I'm like, there's no rule that says I have to stand out here and get booed. Right, right. And I fucking turned and Ben Hill, who's a producer of Showtime at the time, yeah. Ben Hill was out there and he can see it in my face. This nigga knows I'm about to fucking dip. He, stay out there. Stay out there. <laughs> I'm like, no, bitch. Apollo, <laughs> it's my time. <laughs> just ran off the stage, bro. Here's what here's what they don't tell you about Showtime at the Apollo. As much of an institution as it is, you know, comedy is a tough, tough thing to break. Apollo's a great place to go as an established comic. Right. As an amateur, yeah. I just don't think comedy is set up for the. It's just not. It's just. I, not. I agree. I agree. But, it's not. It's not conducive. And then on top of that, here's what makes it even worse. Not only is it not conducive in the traditional structure of the show, but the way you watch Showtime at the Apollo is not the way that it's taped. So right. they'll show, like on a traditional episode, I know the old, the young people are like, what the fuck is Showtime at the Apollo? It was, <laughs> it was a talent showcase show, the same as anything. It was America's Got Talent. But they, it was America's Got Talent before, before it. Yeah. So... So, so basically, an episode of the show is, you know, amateur night, which is, you know, 20 minutes of the show. Then they would do comedy TKO. Then they would have a popular rap artist perform. And then they would do a, some gospel tribute, whatever, and some holy moment. And then they would do rap right after the holy moment. And right. then it's good night. Right. But on the night of the taping, they record all of the music acts back to back to back to back to back yeah. to get that all out the way. They're essentially shooting three or four episodes of a show with one audience. So as an audience member, you come in at six o'clock and in a row, this is for real, on the night that I taped, in a row, P. Diddy and the Family, mm. Ja Rule, mm. DMX, all two songs apiece, two songs apiece. Yeah. So that's six, that's six fucking songs of oh my God, God. <laughs> Right. And then comedy TKO is next. Right. <laughs> they might do Apollo Kids in between. They create a little buffer right. or some shit. Like they, they put the kids in their own section too. So you're following the succession of popular rap songs. 
Also, best kept secret about the Apollo, $3 cocktails. Ugh. So what? this audience has been drinking $3 vodka for hours, for at least two hours. Right. And then your monkey ass from Alabama in your nice little FUBU suit. You think you, man, get, get your ass off the stage. You're not even cut for this. Like, the, but here's the thing. And like, here's the thing. As many comedians as have done the Apollo, like, this is, this is case in point, and we can move on. You can see clips of old musicians on the Apollo mm -hmm. and go, ooh, I see it. Yeah. Ooh, they, yeah. uh, wow, even back then, that voice was, oh, man. How many old clips of popular comics have you seen from the <laughs> Apollo? How many of those are ever leaked or ever put out into the fucking atmosphere? As many niggas have as performed jokes on the Apollo as amateurs. Right, right. How many? How many? Not right. many. None. Oh, there's plenty of clips. Like the Apollo clips you're talking about now, you can go right now. You can go right now on Amazon and you can stream the entire 1994 season of Showtime at the Apollo right. and you can see Monique. You can see, um, ah, fuck, what's Steve his name? Harvey, uh, Flex, uh, Flex Alexander. Flex like, Alexander. But they were already established. Right. They were already established in the game. You can go, wow, they're polished. They're dope. Yeah. But there is, there's no clip of some pop, there's no Hall of Fame comedian that you can find me. There's Showtime with the Apollo clip and go, I see it. Right. Because it just right. wasn't, it just wasn't a place. But you also have to do it because you need TV credit. Right. The time at the right. Apollo is what got me BET's Comic View. Comic View is what ultimately got me Premium Blend on mm -hmm. Comedy Central, which ultimately got me Star Search, which right. is what ultimately got me to Montreal Comedy Festival, which got me Letterman. So right. you kind of have to take those opportunities. That's why it's hard for me to to tell these young niggas to not to not you know jump at chances for exposure. I don't always think it's the best thing. But if you're trying to eat and survive, you got to be a draw somehow. You got to do something. Right. That's why all these social media cats, man. I saw the homie Royce um, was in here earlier. Royce was asking about my social media strategy. That's what I'm still working out, folks. Right. Because it has to be something ultimately that makes people want to come back to see you live. But you have to right. have content that you can create on a regular basis that is easy to produce but it's also saying something different. I'm not a sketch dude. I'll never be able right. to do what, what Country Wayne does. Mm -hmm. That's not, that's not, you know, reasonable. I'm not Drewski too funny. You know, they found their lanes, but I can't do that. But the basic concept right. of what is it that you do well that's funny and do it right. over and over and over and over again right. and stay meticulous about the repetition of posting and stay meticulous yeah. about the concept of creating then right. you persevere. And you right. the people who persevere are the ones that ultimately win. So that's what I've been kind of experimenting with. And that's why I kind of like, I fuck around a little bit on Twitter and IG and I post certain things and mm -hmm. just to see what the, you know, it's litmus testing, you know? And I go, yeah. okay, yeah. that got a good response. Maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll figure out something around that. And so that's right. kind of what I've been playing with now. And I think that's what 21 is going to be more about for me is setting the setting the chess pieces in place for 22. Like, right. as far as I'm concerned, 21 is a wash. Like, everybody talking about opening back up the country. No. 
21 is all set in chess pieces. We writing scripts yeah. and then we getting this social straight. And then we spend in the back half of the year producing all of the scripts that we wrote the front half of this right. year. And then next year, when all of that produced content starts dropping, we get to reap the benefits of that on top of whatever social content we've been doing the whole back half of the year to start right. building out draw. And hopefully by then I can pay some bills. In. Right. But the, the, you, you speak on, um, I think consistency, as you said, is, is key. And I, I think, I think younger comics can learn from, from older comics and vice versa. You know, you mentioned 95 South, the country Wayne or some of the, what I call social medians. Yeah. Um, they, they, their hustle, their consistency with just producing, you know, Clayton Thomas constantly putting. Old heads don't want to learn nothing from them youngins, man. Old heads think they know everything, so they want to sign you. And they want to act right, like right? they don't need no game. But we all, you know, enlightenment is a is a is a continuous journey. You constantly have to have to adapt. If you don't, you're gonna get left. You know, myself included. I I I fought it for a long time. Listen, Godfrey put, told me to do this. This me doing <laughs> and Godfrey been fucking with the internet, but nobody calls yeah. him a social media comedian with some slanderous tone in their voice because oh, well, his pedigree. He he did stand up for a long time, and then he started doing this. Well, then, bitch, maybe you should fucking do what Godfrey's been doing. Right. And not look at it as some sort of negative. And that's how a lot of cats take it, you know? Right, right. But instead instead, in, instead of, because the mature approach is just saying, I just had this conversation with, with a good friend of mine. I said, yo, man, I said, you know what? You, you have to. I said, you have to or you're going to get left. Um, there's, there's no way around and I said fine whatever it is you do and that's what I was like you know I'm, I, I did. and as a matter of fact I went back because that's that's the funny thing about like Instagram, Facebook what have you is they'll remind you and, and so like a year ago I, I was doing these Denzels and these Tracy Morgan things consistently and I got lazy I probably got lazy because I was on. I got. I, I was getting road work, and so I was like, "No, oh, no, right." But sitting, sitting in in uh, sitting during this quarantine, I said, I said more recently, I said, "Nah, man." I said, "Just you have you have all these skills, all these talents. Just do it. Just do it." And so I actually say to myself, um, "Here, let me let me take ten minutes to go, and I'll sit here and edit it, and and some some stuff." Is is uh you know takes longer. Some stuff is just throwaways where you're like, oh that, and people respond to it. So, um, yeah, it's it makes it's sense. weird, man. I just think that we also get caught up in the the concept of instant gratification as comedians. You post something, yeah, on yeah. a bunch of motherfuckers to right, <laughs> but that didn't get enough likes. I don't know, man. Sometimes you just have to fucking post over and over. And, you know, I think that's part of it. I just think that you have to have content that's, you know, specific. Yeah, content is king. Content content is winning, man. Yeah. The more content you have, the more the more uh people see of you. And 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 I think I think you still can have mystery associated with what you do. You don't have to put all your business out there, but you should constantly uh you know, produce. You should and and then also it's keeping you creative, right? It's keeping you on your toes creatively 
as opposed to just sitting because because you and I both know people that are sitting at home and they're like, man, I can't get on stage right now, and that's it, and they kind of yeah. just sitting sitting complaining. It's like, don't complain, you know, make make something happen, do something uh do something productive, is yeah. is my point. Yeah, I got to start getting a little more focused. Like, I, I low-key almost feel like like this might even be... I got a couple more interviews on the books in February. And I think after that, I might just, like, fucking pull a Gerard Carmichael and just, just you know, I don't... We don't need to talk for a while. I need to just go right. create. You know, like, I'm starting to understand why some comics, you don't hear a lot from them. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of that comes from them just being in their head and you right. really have to go away for a while to like really find what that idea is too. You know, sometimes it's about unplugging because I always look back at the first year of Def Jam, man. Mm-hmm. And the thing that was so fascinating about Def Jam in in that first year, the first, first year, like with is that 91, 92? 92. 92. So there were no two comedians that were similar in style. Right. Not tempo, not cadence, not fashion, not nothing. Every single comedian was a completely different kaleidoscope creation mm-hmm. that somehow still fit within blackness. And I truly believe that part of that level of originality was because so many of them were not on TV before that. So you kind of had to do your own thing and just fuck it. This is who I am. Right. And that's part of, we got to a long, well, I didn't get into a long discussion about, they got into a long discussion about Comic View. Um, And how Comic View created a lot of copycats. Who, you know, there were a lot of comics who weren't as senior who were going, oh, I just got to do like that. Well, I can do like that. Right. BET didn't give a fuck because they was putting nine niggas on the episode, so they needed the bodies. So they didn't care about, you know, degrees of authenticity as much as they just needed volume of jokes, which, okay, right. fine, that's your decision. But when I look at, you know, whether they knew it or not, you know, a lot of those old school Def Jam cats, you know, they created their personas, you know, to a point where originality was policed. If you dared to even be like someone, they would beat the shit out of you. Like it was, there was, there was consequences to be paid for even trying to bite somebody's style. So, right. I sometimes wonder how much I benefit from consuming everything. Like I love watching stand up, but outside mm-hmm. of that, sometimes I wonder if maybe if there's if there was a way, and maybe we're just too late, we're just too past it, man. But I just I sometimes wonder if there was a way to just wipe what you've seen mm. so that you could create in more of a vacuum, you know, mm. away from everything else. And so, I don't know, I, I think that's something in 21 that I'm in search of, but it's hard because so much of my brand is satire, which requires commentary on what the fuck is happening. Right. So I have right. to be in. Like even my standup is, mm. It's not about me. It's about what the fuck's going on around us. Right. And so right. I don't know how to do them both at the same time, but if I figure that out, I'm going to be a problem in 22, bro. Well, it was also, I, I, liken, I liken the early years of uh, 
of what I call like the black comedy revolution of the early 90s with with which Def Jam and Uptown Comedy Club and even Comic View ushered in and, and, and gave us voices of cats that were out there that was, you know, Bernie and crew. They had, they had been out there for years but hadn't gotten a, a shine, right? But it's similar right. to hip-hop. You know, if you take golden era hip-hop or even early to mid-90s hip-hop, Biggie didn't sound like DMX and DMX didn't sound like Method Man and Method Man didn't sound like Slick Rack. You know, everybody you had to have your you 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 thrived on your own originality. Rock Kim didn't sound like Big Daddy Kane, you know, and 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 yeah. LL didn't sound like Run. You know, everybody had to have their own lane, and you ask people people thrive because you were on your own creative. I well, well if he's in his pot. You know, mixing up his stew, I'ma see what he's gonna come with. But if I'm if I'm Rakim, I'm gonna see how many words, words I, and and syllables I can rhyme together versus someone, you know, that had a, a more basic cadence. Say a say a DMC, who was who was also a beast, right? Yeah. And so the same thing with comics. When comics came out, you saw you saw that first season of Dev Jam. You saw uh, Eddie Griffin. And then Bill Bellamy, and then Adele Givens, and then Teddy Carpenter, and so forth. Everybody had because everybody was also representing their, their different regions. So right. you had you had you had Tony Wood, Shawnee representing DC, and you had you had uh you had uh DL Hughley representing the West Coast, you know, and they all had a different perspective because they were all coming from different areas, you know, similar to early uh early hip hop, whereas now a lot of rap that comes out is very similar or a lot of rappers that come out are, are doing a similar thing or a similar similar cadence because a that's was popular and that's was yeah. selling um Record but then you you know in that radio at all yeah yeah that shit too. but then in that you'll 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 get a you'll get a kendrick lamar you'll get a j cole and and, and the funny thing is kendrick to a generation that's that's coming up now, Kendrick is actually oh you know not old school, but he's he's old to them. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, which means yeah. we're geriatric, right? You know, yeah. so I think it's possible to Elder to get to get in your lab, like someone like Gerard. Gerard, you know, is is an anomaly. You know, Chappelle is an anomaly, also because. Financial security allows you to maintain that mystery, right? Like Gerard has 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 done enough and has had enough early success where he can he can take time off. You know, I'm always amazed when I see actors say, "Yeah, I took time away from acting." I'm like, oh, that means you rich. <laughs> that means you got some money. <laughs> Must be nice, motherfucker. Can't relate. Right. Right. Can't so relate. every everybody everybody has, I guess, a, a different approach to it, but I. I I love watching you. I love watching your process. I, you know, we we met I think when we did Comics Unleashed. Yeah. And I told people back then the reason our our um our two episodes were dope is because similar to what you just said, you are different than Ralph Harris, are different than myself, are different than Leslie Jones. And the four people on our panel, we all came up um and we all had a different perspective, a different way of seeing seeing the world. And just to correct somebody, because I just saw a comment real quick that said Dave Chappelle didn't come up um, 
in, in front of black people. That's 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 a misconception. They Dave Chappelle did come up in front of black people, but he also was doing mainstream clubs. You know, that's yeah, I think did. people he have this misconception. Over. He crossed over way before. And I also think because one of Chappelle's first specials was a mixed audience special. Right. It's not always seen as that, but I don't think he's right. ever swerved stylistically. Like, no. it ain't no code switch type situation. He's always right. been Dave. Right. Like, if right. Just... I, I mean, I think, shoot, his, his one of his first, his earliest uh, TV, his first TV appearance, if I'm not mistaken, one of them was Teen Summit on BET. With, with David Edwards and D'Artagnan Edmonds, you know, like, <laughs> and then Def Comedy Jam and, and so forth. But I think because Chappelle's show popped um, across the board and because, say, um, Half Baked was like a stoner yeah, movie. But also, his movie run post-Def Jam in the mid to late 90s was predominantly white films. Yes, yes. Predominantly white comedy. I agree with that. You know, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, Correct. was not it was a funny movie but it wasn't it wasn't a barbershop movie and and Chappelle in a way and I wonder if this is a this is probably a question for Dave's I don't want to speculate for him but I, I also wonder because the 90s was the black cinema boom yeah that was the beginning of black, like just black creators like 90 to 95 was shoot 'em ups 95 to right. 2000 was love like that right. was <laughs> love basketball, love Jones, brown sugar, all that shit. Yeah. You know, had to be murdered. It was like, all right, my Progress it out. Progressive Negroes. <laughs> yeah. So I wonder, I wonder, you know, Dave not being in a lot of those productions, maybe people just kind of overlook that. But, you know, it just all depends. Right. I, 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 and I, I, I'll go with that. I, and I think that does, I think that feeds into the time that he popped, um, you know, because you had, like the the hottest comic, you know, at at one point was probably Chris Tucker, and the Chris Pop from Friday was you had Chris Tucker and Friday, and you had Chappelle with Half Baked, and so they served to two different audiences. And, and uh, I would say Chris similar. Tucker probably, in terms of return on investment for what they pay you to be on TV, and I'll give you the numbers. Um, the average television appearance, I don't know what the numbers were in 91, but I know today it's $1,000 minus taxes, union, et cetera, et cetera. You probably leave with about $600. If you've got an agent and a manager, the niggas get 100 a piece too. So you got about $400 in your pocket for right. performing on TV. Chris Tucker took them funky ass $400 and flipped that shit into Friday and then immediately flipped that shit into a $20 million movie. Right. Like he was that. Lost a lot of the money, but that's beside the point. Yeah, yeah. You want to say, you're like, just somebody who took the opportunity and ran with it, man? Hands down. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hands down. You know, a lot I of careers pop from Def Jam. But I just, I just, you know, my point is, I'm trying to figure out this year, man, of how to find that, that creative vacuum to really, to create that bubble to create it. And I don't know if it's possible necessarily to do that away from people. You know, mm -hmm. you can't really do that away from family. Like, I hear stories about writers who go to cabins and shit to write, you know, like, like there's really rich writers. I'll tell y'all some secrets, Instagram. There's really rich writers who have some shit called a writing house. Yeah. These motherfuckers have a house they live in 
And then they have another house. And that's the house they get. It's out in the country somewhere, out in the peace. And I go here, work on my novel, or I'm going to work on season two of the show. I'm just going to go out to my boat dock. And so, right. you know, I need to figure out what the fuck my, what my writer house is going to be. But you know, my 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 writer house is my dining room table, uh, <laughs> which is straight ahead of me. Look, look, my writer's house is putting on the Beats by Dre. Yeah, and a laptop. And but before but, before the pandemic, I thought about just using my frequent flyer miles to just sit on the plane and just fucking write. Oh wow! But, but I'm not fucking with that. And then I also thought about the train, you know, like there's an mm. odd peacefulness to the train that I enjoy. But right. even that's still only a couple of hours and it's, it's right. not complete stillness. Right. But it is a weird bubble away from it. Like, like just by comparison, before, like when I was a young in, in the game, I used to write in the mall food court. Like when I was on the road doing stand up, mm -hmm. I would go to the mall and sit in the food court. And there was something about the quietness of the chaos Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You just get the people watching. You just you own your own. It's like being in a Starbucks. A food court ain't never the big ass yeah. Starbucks. So you in here, you do anything, you just look. Oh wow, that's crazy. They arguing. That's a couple arguing. Anyway, like that was always a fun thing to do. So I don't know. I, right. That's what I'm in search of right now, man. It's not only yeah. We used to when I when I started going out to L.A. heavily. I don't know a few more still on here, but I just sent him a picture. There was a spot on. Uh, I want to say on a Hollywood like Hollywood and maybe Wilton called Lithium. Him him and Ian Edwards and my man Rich Pierre-Louis, Leonard Robinson, we used to always, and even Kev, Kev or back in the days, we used to we used to just go to these coffee shops and, and they would just sit in them for hours. And right, you heard I said they, because I'd be like, wait, so y'all, so we just, we just here? I tried but, that. And I couldn't get any comedians. I couldn't get comedians to respect it enough to do it often enough. Niggas right, right. Again, consistency. But also being sensitive, being open to criticism. I mm. think if a comic is smart, if I could do it again, if I could do mm. my career over again, uh, give me three niggas with different writing styles from me, but also who understand my writing style. Three cats whose mm -hmm. styles I understand, but our styles are not similar. Right. Once a week, twice a month, y'all mm -hmm. sit down and everybody share a new five minutes, and niggas just right. punch it up. And you sit and right. you sit and transcribe, or we tell you why the joke is flawed, and here's where to fix it. Right. And I promise you, you will leave every week, like every month. You have twenty new minutes that's been emboldened by three of the comics that you respect, like having that type of, but if you get, if you do that with comics that are too similar, then y'all start arguing over bits. And you start yeah. arguing over who gave yeah. you that joke and I was the one who get, ain't no real trust. You a hater, you don't never like none of my material. So it can get messy. So it's gotta be with people that, that you have some security with. But you know, I don't think I really had that to a degree. Stuff. I had that with uh me and Todd Lynn. We would we would uh we would do that. We would we would um just sit and and if he had an idea, we we work on it or vice versa. That's a, and 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 uh Mark Theobald. That was like yeah. a little little click that we would That's sit and clip. just 
form Voltron on a joke, you know, form Voltron and and, and build it, you know. And and then what what I what I liked about that creative uh, sort of camaraderie was when when you went and you saw somebody else doing a joke that you you helped work on, and then it clicked. It was like a win for everybody. Yeah, but cats don't see it like that now. Yeah, don't see it know. like that now. Not some really. some some. Some some things, you know. I think again, it goes to maturity. You know, if you mature enough to to, you know, vibe with somebody, because because we all have friends, we all have associates that we that we hang out with and kick it with. So why wouldn't you entrust, um, you know, your 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 material and say, yo, I I got. Yo, I got I got five bits on one worker. I got five bits. Yo, I got five bits. All right, boom. What's your first bit? And then just go around and go and around it, the hall. It, it worked. For, yeah, I, I I still I still have a couple of jokes that we worked on back then that were dope jokes that I still um you know until until the joint airs on a special. Keith Robbins had said that he was like until it airs, it, it you don't have to retire it. <laughs> you know, and, and so I'm like I will milk yeah. this joke. I mean, unless you done went through a market three times, you can't be showing up in Philadelphia for your fourth, <laughs> fourth round and still right. doing that same hour. Like, like no, right? No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, but you, you add it up to it. Yeah, that's all in the game, man. But talk, talk to me about because you used to do um, the pranks, and and it's it's interesting that you said you really you're not a sketch comic. But and this is coming from an acting coach that said that to me years ago. Um, they said, you know, every time you get on stage and you speak, you sp speak that's not in your natural voice, whether it's your, whether it's you talking about your, your your family or what have you, even even your 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 wife, your children, your your, your mom's pops, whomever, or the person at the airport. You're you're doing a character. You're acting. You're creating a characterization, and so you do do characters. And so yeah. I found it interesting that you said that you really don't do sketch because you came from doing amazing. <laughs> I've I've listened to over the years. You you know like you just pop up YouTube and it's like Roy Wood Junior prank calls, and you were a beast at those before, especially. Uh, um, as a black cat that was doing pranks before, because now it's sort of that's that's become a norm as well on it social was, media. It was me and Ricky Smiley, right? Before nephew Tommy, and that's with respect to nephew Tommy, right? But I yeah. think you know Tommy's got the belt now, but at that time Ricky Smiley started, and then Ricky left the station in Birmingham to go to Dallas to start what eventually became his syndicated joint, and. It happened at the, it's just weird how, how shit worked. Rick retired and left Birmingham the same time I graduated from college and moved mm. back to Birmingham. Oh, wow. I had a degree in broadcast. And so I walked up to the radio station. I'm like, yo, I'm a fucking comedian and I got a degree in this shit. What's up? Right. And so they're like, all right, bet. Intern, no money for you, nigga, but welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and so... That's kind of how that relationship started, but I had to keep doing pranks to like keep to basically to keep my job. I had to provide them with prank calls, so I had to make the pranks funny because literally my career depended upon it. Right. I wasn't a fan of doing pranks initially because mm -hmm. Ricky Smiley was known for. Well, fuck, I want to come in here and do what he did. 
but then right. you understand it and you go, okay, I understand how radio works. And there's certain, there's certain things in radio that are principal forms of entertainment that are just basic structure. Mm -hmm. This is funny. Don't matter right. what. It, and by doing this well, it gave me the freedom. It earned me the creative trust of my bosses to do all the stuff I actually wanted to do. Right. So that almost is a lesson that still serves true now with like writing scripts and stuff. They have to, people have to know that you know the basics before they'll right. trust that you can deconstruct the machine and mm -hmm. do something creatively different. And that's probably the most valuable lesson I learned with prank phone calls. Like, okay, I can do a prank call, but now that I've done these prank calls, now you trust me to do all these XYZ sketches that had never been done in radio before that mm -hmm. got me just as much love, you know, from the people of Birmingham. But you right. know, at the time I had to do the pranks, uh, bro. You know, that's part of why I take this digital shit so seriously now. You know, I fumbled the ball on that. Um, when YouTube first launched in, I think, 2005, uh, 2004, 2005, within a year, I had 100,000 subscribers on my YouTube page. Mm. My first YouTube page, before it got taken down for copyright violations, um, about 150,000 subscribers. And I was just posting. And this is at a time when you went on YouTube to listen to stuff. YouTube wasn't even a video app. Right, right. You would go on YouTube to listen to mixtapes and shit. Like, that's how you, you would just leave it on on your browser and just let it play. Um, and so, you know, I look back on that and then MySpace a couple years after that, and I'm like, ah, fuck, I had the content and I was doing mm -hmm. it regularly. Right. All I had to do was keep doing it. God damn it, Roy. Right. And consistency. All right. Now you got to do it again. But now you're 40 and you're a father figure it out <laughs> like it's that type of shit but right i mean the pranks were cool it's not something i would ever do again i listened to them and you know the fact that i was never murdered or sued <laughs> i mean, like for real the fact that a lot of the shit that i said to people bro i said some wild shit but i was also 23 and hungry and when you're fucking hungry yeah you'll go some places and we got yeah. some good comedy. <laughs> I remember I did a prank one time. It's not on any CD. Like, like you can't even get my CDs. Like, they're gone. Like, offline. Like, it's gone. Oh, wow. like, like, if you know about my pranks, you really fuck with me on some underground shit. Like, there's some still right. on YouTube. But as far as, like, actively purchasing, no, you may buy that shit in almost a decade. But there's a prank. I think it's still on, um, it might still be on YouTube. It's called Bubba's Money. Bubba's Money is the name of the prank call. Bubba's, hold up, I'm up. And see. I called this lady. I'm not sure if it's still online. It's not from my account. You know, a lot of folks still post my pranks. I don't copyright strike them because I'm not a hater. Right. Um, so I called this lady, right? And basically she owed some money for a Cadillac to this name named Bubba. And I called this lady and I go, hey, you owe the money. You know, a prank call... Uh, uh, there's just two types of prank calls, conflict or impossible request. Mm -hmm. That's it. So this is a conflict call. We have a problem that needs to be resolved. So you owe my brother money. I want my brother's money. I want Bubba's money. And then she goes, well, sir, can I call you back? I'm in the hospital right now. They're getting mm -hmm. ready to admit me. To which I said, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I want Bubba's money. And everything from then on is straight hilarity. 
and God bless Flossie. Like she was a great sport about it and it was all gravy. But that's the type of shit that could have gone south, bro. But when you're right. 23, you ain't thinking about this lady dying on the phone. And she was in there for heart problems. And I'm calling and fucking with you. Like, I can't live like that anymore, Dean. Like, I have to, you have to know. That's why, like, when I look at these street pranks and all this stuff these youngins do, you have to be old enough to know when you've lost the edge. I don't have that edge anymore. Like, if I right, call, like, somebody right. said, when are you going to do another prank CD? It's not going to be funny. Right. I'm 42 and I have too many different things going through my head of how this could go wrong for this to be right. The best pranks, all them crazy public stunts, those people throw fuck it to the wind and yeah. just and that's why it's funny because it's reckless. It's right. irresponsible. That's why it's funny. I can't be irresponsible anymore. Right. I can't live like that. So yeah, you so I mean I love them, but it's not it's not something I would ever go back to doing. I, yo, when you uh you you don't have to tell the story, but did would you say the J Prince situation made you say you know that's enough of these perfect example? Yeah. That was a perfect example. The J Prince situation was exactly why I did my third and final album. Mm -hmm. That was my third prank album was '07. Mm -hmm. I was banging them like every other year at that point. Um, the long and short of the story for the people who don't know it, Jay Prince, the CEO and founder of Rap-A-Lot Records, um, you know, well-respected man in these streets, and he got goons. I prank called him and told him that his rappers ain't worth shit and he need to release all... I don't remember specifically what I said, but I talked a lot of shit about Rap-A-Lot artists. And... I made this call in Houston, where Jay Prince is from, and they sent goons. Now, I didn't know they were sending goons, but I had a feeling. Like, like I've been in enough situations where you can hear it in a nigga's tone. You're like, oh, wait. Like, once we told him it was a prank, the, his tone didn't change. Like, yeah. normally we go, it's a prank call. You got right. prank. Oh, man, you got me, man. Man, Roy, you got we told him, Jay Prince, you got pranked. Okay. And I was like, okay, he's coming to the studio. He's coming to the studio. Because we're like, we're over here at the... Like I told him the studio we were at, hoping that that right. would help ice it over. No. No. And didn't you say he said something? I don't remember the verbiage he used, but whatever he said, he said it like two or three times. Oh, very where, you at? where you at? Where you Man, I'm Brent Gully. Man, Jay Prince. Rap a lot records ain't worth shit. Where you at, brother? Uh, don't worry about where I'm at. You need to give me my money back for all these rap a lot CDs I can't sell in my record store. You want to talk business? I talk business in person. So where you at? And that's when I clammed up. I was like, "Uh, it's a prank call, okay." But where you at? <laughs> and so when we got off the phone with him. I went back to the airport, and that's a very true story. Like it's silly, but I'm I'm not trying to get my ass beat over no fucking. <laughs> I like, and that was supposed that album was supposed to be. We were doing an album 
my first two prank calls that got good buzz in the underground scene and like hip hop and they were getting put on mixtapes and shit. Mm -hmm. And so this underground label in um, Houston wanted to do a prank album where we just, um, where we only prank call celebrities. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's, that sounds like a good idea. Right. Jay Prince was the first person we called and that shit went so left. I was like, I'm not fucking with celebrities. It, because that was the last one. Yeah, that was the first one. Like we had like eight calls lined up that day. I was just like, mm, no, I'm good. I'm good. Y'all can take me back to the airport. And I just I went back to the airport, and they thought I was overreacting. They just like, Roy, it'll be fine. We gotta finish. We booked all this studio time. I'm like, I don't know what to tell you, folks. I heard that man's tone on the phone, and. I think they're coming over here. He's not going to come over here. He's got to cool off. He'll be fine. I said, no, nah, man. No. Nah. I'm going I'm going home. Where at least I know there's people. Like, you can't hide in Houston from Jay. So I'm going to the airport where at least there's TSA. And, you know, like, at best at the airport, all you can do is beat my ass. You can't shoot me. Right. In the, uh, I hope. Like, you can't get the gun through. And so... That was all like 2006, right? Fast forward to Jay Prince uh, promoting his autobiography and a couple of people asked him about that story and the nigga remembered it and the nigga mm -hmm. said specifically, oh yeah, we was going to fuck him up. Those were the exact words. So, you know, you have to always trust your instincts. Like, that's what I <laughs> tell people. If, if it feel like an ass whoop is coming and you ain't ready to fight, <laughs> you get the fuck on. You gotta pay attention to the spidey senses when it's uh when it's tingling. Yeah, we so it's just these are fun jokes, but then also the, the thing that the thing with the pranks also that I had to be careful about was being known for that. Right, right. And so that was the danger in doing anything beyond the third album. It was mm -hmm. like, all right, if I do one more of these, then do I become Roy D. Mercer or the Jerky Boys? And you know, right. Like that's and granted, those are two totally different brands. Like you know, mm. neither of those were live performers who had other things that they were trying to right. do career-wise. Right. But I just didn't want to be known as the prank call dude versus the prank right. calls being known as a phase of my evolution. Like when you talk to someone about, it's like Drake with Degrassi. He ain't known right. for being on Degrassi, but it is a phase of his evolution that we acknowledge. Right. So you know, I. I just don't know if I could ever do another prank album. I just don't think I have the the metal required for it to to do it as good as we did them. We mm -hmm. did those day in. I did like seven hundred prank calls, bro. We did hundreds. I prank called hundreds of people. I'm still alive. I should right. just fucking leave the casino. Did you did you ever? Because I you know what I always and I'm sure other people wonder. Nigga ran up on me in Cleveland over a prank. He he didn't fight me, but he wanted to. So who did some dude in Cleveland that I prank called and I did a show in Cleveland at the improv in the flat. And then came to your shoulder. He waited four months till I came to Cleveland and bought wow. a ticket and then met me at the merch table. <laughs> who the fuck want I wanna live like that in exchange for a couple of dollars and some yuck yucks? I'm right. straight, bro. Right. I'm straight. Now I think I think you made the right decision. It, it seems to <laughs> it, it seems to have Look, look, it seems to have panned out. Yeah, I would much rather be on The Daily Show doing jokes about Trump 
and getting occasional hate messages to my Facebook account. That's safer. Right. At least right. for black people, there's rules to the ass whooping. <laughs> right. You don't know where these Trump supporters coming from. They sneak your ass on the sidewalk. Hey, with the Daily Show, because y'all 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 have had hiatuses, and and I I wonder this because it's a Daily Show versus like with I know with SNL there were times that something would happen in the news and we were off, and if something happens while y'all are on hiatus, because your show is so timely, do you still? When you're back in production, say, "Hey, what about what about that thing that happened two weeks ago, or is it dead?" I give you a perfect example. We were off last week during the Capitol protest. Right. That was a scheduled off week for the holiday, and right. you can't. Oh shit! Some shit's happening. Everybody, fucking come on the air. Like we can't. Right. The shows don't operate, and there's a lot of union rules in place. Like once you assign off days, the off day is your off day. Right. You got employees that are at home chilling like they ain't right. set up you know like the, the, you told me this was my day off motherfucker you can't just right right call me Thank in you, like, after right yeah you can't call me in like the national guard and just activate me <laughs> right you know what i'm saying so so it's more of the fallout we the daily show is all about what's happening today what is the conversation that is happening now or what is the conversation that's going to be happening around the corner. We can't look back. Because right. also by the time we get back on air with it, what we look like rehashing everything from the six. Right. You already know what the deal is. If it, like if we were on the air today, the conversation is about the fallout of all of those arrests and all these people getting added to the new fly list right. and seeing how much worse the footage was. Um, and also, can we have a safe inauguration? That's probably, that's the future conversation. You know what I'm right. saying? So that's kind of, you know, how things would be kind of structured out now. Right, right. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I get that. Yeah, man. Did, would, you, would you say, because when you did Last Comic, and I think um, I've had a, a couple other comics, including Gina last week, were you reluctant to do Last Comic standing? Because I, and the reason I ask that is because I know a lot of comics um, or comedians, whichever you um, go by, a lot of comics are reluctant to do comedy contests because they know there's more than just your comedy um, being being scrutinized and packaged. Um, I did Last Comic in 2010, and I came in third place. That was my third time doing the show. The only reason I did it was because they told us we would be judged solely on our stand-up and there would be no house, there would be no reality show games. Okay. It's true. Our season of Last Comic, season seven, is the only season to not have any of the extra bullshit going on. Right. It was strictly right. American Idol. You go up every week, one of you niggas going home. Next week, right. one of y'all going home. And it's strictly the performances. They didn't have us out doing activities. There were no challenges. There was right. no secret booth where you talk shit about other people. It's just walk out on stage. <laughs> the testimonial. Yeah, none of that. Walk out on stage and be funnier than everybody else, and you'll move on. And so okay. that seemed like the fairest way to do it, so I did it. Okay. Season seven, the last comic standing. Also, the lowest rated season in the history of the television program. Interesting. Because no one gives a fuck about comedy straight up. Right. So you have to have the drama and yeah. the games 
for the sake of ratings. And the comedy becomes the baked potato to the drama steak. But right. the game, neither you win it or you ain't. Y'all want to be on the comedy competition show and be judged fairly. That's not what it is. It's a showcase. Do you want an opportunity to show what you do to a bunch of people that hopefully will come see you? And you may or may not win some money. But otherwise, you get a chance. I got a chance every week for fucking seven weeks, bro. Seven weeks straight, I was on television for a minimum right, of three time. minutes doing comedy. Yeah. That's a lot of time. That's yeah, a lot man. of time. We're talking six, seven million viewers, I think in those days, maybe like five, six million an episode. It's a lot of people. And yeah. so for me, yeah, that was fine. I mean, you know, I know comics don't like being yo-yo, but it's, you're being cast. Right, right. I just wish, I'll, I'll say this, I, I gotta go in a second, but I just, yeah. I just wish comedians would stop hoping that non-comedians take our craft as serious as we do. They don't. They don't give a fuck. So play by right. the rules or go create your own fucking playground. They're never going to give a fuck. They're right. not going to care about the grind and the struggle <laughs> and the fucking, oh, the word. It's fucked up that a ventriloquist is being judged against a mime is being judged against a fucking comedian. That guy's a 20-year vet and he fucking lost to a dog flipper. Yes, because Fucking, there's people in this country who like just seeing dogs do backflips. That's yeah. that's just what it is. That's why yeah, that nigga owns a plane, bro. That's why that nigga preacher Lawson freaked the game hard, bro. Yeah, preacher Lawson went on America's Got Talent. Yes, he did, and he understood. He understood something that it took me a couple of times to figure out is that contest comedy is attack fast. And then you can downshift. Where traditional, Charm them. where traditional club comedy is, take your time. Right. Contest comedy is. Like if you just, if you just follow comedy, the the, the wavelengths of it, and there's comedians that can't come out like that right, right. away. You're not right for contest comedy, so don't fucking right. do it. Well, right. do it and lose and complain, but it's not going to change anything. <laughs> You're just here for fucking ratings, my nigga. It's it's right. No one cares. I wish that burn, I I wish I don't know. I'm going to stop talking on that because it, it. I'm very troubled at how much our community continues to be troubled by contest comedy. Right, right. When the truth is. Contest comedy is also the only thing that's kept stand-up comedy on fucking television for the You're last right. fucking yeah. 10 years. Because ain't no more stand-up showcase shows. You're right. Yeah. It's not, there's not that many shows anymore, but they just put four comedians on for half an hour. Comedy Central right. don't do that shit no more. They moved all that shit to digital. Right. HBO Max might give a couple cats a look. You and fucking but Tiffany Haddish in the game. All right, Tiffany Haddish went and found a couple motherfuckers and put gave y'all some love, but it took Tiffany fucking Haddish right, right. to even get that to fucking happen. So the right. only other way this art form will be seen is if one of us is going to have our balls cut off. That's what right. America wants to see. They right. want to see somebody fucking right. lose. You wouldn't watch fucking cooking if you if Gordon Ramsay wasn't going to yell at a bitch. Like that's so. This art form that we love so much 
still needs to be seen. And if the only delivery vehicle that exists right now that people seem to fuck with is a contest variant of it, I don't know what to tell you. I don't. I can't. I can't speak ill of that. Right. I can't speak right. ill of that. I can't speak ill of it when, when a cat like, when a cat like say, Preacher Lawson or Josh Blue, or um, uh, Felipe Espar Felipe Esparza. Esparza like th th this this guy Drew Lynch, the stuttering comic. Drew Lynch, yeah. These niggas walked off them shows, they walked into comedy clubs, and they sold out weekends, right? Those weekends are the ones that pay the bills for the weekends that you can't sell out. Right. So whatever keeps the doors open on the comedy club, I'm very, very hesitant to just drag through the mud. It ain't perfect. It ain't pretty. Right. But if it helps the culture of stand-up comedy survive, I'm with it, man. Because on the other side of COVID, we're going to need stand-up comedy on TV. If you want people coming back to the fucking comedy clubs, they right, get a right. reason. So, right. That. Let, me, let me ask you this last question and let you go. Uh, um, and, and this is a question that I always ponder with, with most comics with their specials. Why the title Father Figure and No One Loves You? I always like, what went into you deciding the titles for your specials, well, first which, off, were, which I, I texted you and said they both were uh, brilliant. Father figure was a message to my son. So that's more of a, here's some shit that's going on in the world. Here's a way to try and work through it. Or here's at least a way to try and view it. Okay. Uh, no one loves you. I feel like I didn't quite nail it with all the material. I just didn't have enough time. Really? Um, no One Loves You is about the insincere sincerity that exists in this society. And that mm -hmm. if you really look deeper at the issues in the world, most everybody is going for self. Everybody is after their own self-preservation. Everybody's right. after their own self-interest first. And then maybe I'll give a fuck about you. And that's something I truly believe about the world. I don't believe that most people have the better interest of the greater good in mind. They care mm -hmm. about themselves. How can I help myself first? I'm gonna help you motherfuckers. So that right. was the idea. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah, man. Well, my my man, my man, Fifty Grand Roy Wood Jr. Um, and salute to Roy Wood Senior and your moms. They did a great job, brother. Thank you for hanging out. Keep Respect, doing your man. thing. Keep writing. I'm going I'm to I'm check in periodically to make sure you still you uh, finishing that script. Um, <laughs> and keep 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 giving us that funny and whatever, whether it's on the social medias, whether it's on the Daily Show. We, we, we're here for it, and we appreciate it. Love you for, for it, bro. Keep doing your thing. Respect, brother. See you, Dave. Respect. Peace. Yes, sir. All right, son. There you have it, people. Another episode of the Father Bunker Protocol. Uh, oh, and you know what, Jason? I saw you, son. I ain't want to interrupt uh, Roy. Yes, the, the very funny um, Jason Andor is in the building. Um, it's been another episode of Father Monkey Protocol. It's your man, Dean Edwards. Um, for, I, I saw a couple of people asked um, if this is recorded. This goes to my live, so it's on my page. If you came in late, you can go go to I am Dean Edwards and, and, and watch the full interview. Um, and every week, 
Um, for those that this is your first time, thank you for riding with us and, and go check out some of the previous episodes. We've had everybody from Jeannie Yashere to Dion Cole, Avion Crockett, Godfrey, Yamanika Saunders, Marina Franklin, Jim Gaffigan, and the list goes on. Um, just just a lot of lot of great comics and great entertainers and great people with great insight behind the scenes as well. I have some some uh, great episodes. We we didn't talk about Sullivan and Sons, um, but we'll do that uh, in the next couple of weeks. I also have my man Steve Byrne, um, my man Ahmed Ahmed, who are both cast members on Sullivan and Sons, and both respected uh, stand-ups as well as actors. And Steve is now a director and a screenwriter. So um, keep tuning in. We'll keep giving y'all this funny. It's your man Dean Edwards. All love. Y'all keep Keep doing your thing and stay safe out there. And I'll see you in, in uh, now six days because we're we going to do this again in less than seven. All right. This is your man, Dean. It was all love. Two fingers. Peace. I need. I know I need a, a manicure and a pedicure. I'm going to go do that in the next. Thank you, y'all. Thank you, Hannah Boyd. Another great one. Uh, thanks to each of y'all. Let me get, get a little something. This is another dope convo. Thanks, y'all. Uh, Rodney Perry, I see you, family. Miss you, brother. And uh, and 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 I'm waiting for that uh for coming to America too. I'm looking forward to uh to seeing that. Um and uh and yeah, that's that's pretty much it. All right, y'all. I'm I'm gonna go uh I'm hungry. I'm gonna go get a snack. All right, peace.